Welcome to the Girls on Tour podcast with Mira Manga. Hello and welcome again to the Girls on Tour podcast, the podcast that interviews inspirational and excellent women all about their adventures in transit. Meet Sarah Vero. We met partying in West End nightclubs over a decade ago, and in the time we lost touch since then, she has had all kind of adventures, through Central America, through policy-changing campaigns, and even Parliament. Now member of the experimental art collective Sanga Sanga, who explore human connections, and whose mission statement is to create more joy in the world, it is a sheer delight to introduce her to you all. Without further ado, you join us on a very comfy couch in a cosy sitting room in Hackney. I'm here with my old friend Sarah. Hello, Mira. Hi. And <laughs> did we work out how long it's been since we've been together? It's been a long time. It's been maybe not quite 10 years, maybe yeah. like six or eight years. It's a long time. And I met you when I first came to London. I was working in Carnaby Street. And I was also working in <laughs> Carnaby Street over the road in a different shop. Yeah, we could literally <laughs> wave to each other from our shops. And then you invited me to join this amazing group of young people who were going to all the fun night spots in London. And this was Britpop, you know. So thank you so much for doing that, <laughs> for putting me on my journey. <laughs> You're very welcome. That was a really amazing time of working in Carnaby Street. And yeah. at that point, there were still lots of like mod shops around yeah. and like people with haircuts would like uh, <laughs> come there we love the and haircuts. go to the pubs. Yeah, the culture was very, mm. very much a proud British music, British bands. Mm. And because there were all these nightclubs like Candy Box, After School, you know, I can't remember the names. There were so many. <laughs> Bedrock. Kaleidoscope, thank you. Trash, (laughs) trash, bunker, which I would never have got into. Trash, so I didn't even bother. (laughs) But um, so many nightclubs, and then it was full of like people who'd gone to uni to study to work. It's great time to be in London. Sadly, I still work in the area. Carnaby Street is just distressingly nothing like that anymore. (laughs) It's pretty much either fashion or makeup shop. So I'm really sad about that. Yeah, I when I, walk, I walked up to Carnaby Street the other morning when I'd been at Lush, yeah. and yeah, it is totally transformed. I mean, mm. it was it was transforming when we were there actually. Yeah. Like in the nineties, it was a very different place, and then Absolutely. when we were there in like the early two thousands, it was a very different place. But yeah. it does feel like that part of Soho has lost a bit of its soul now. Oh God, yeah, Madame Jojo's <laughs> and everything. So it's even more important that you keep connected with those old friends <laughs> as the streets change. You know, your friends, your memories. <laughs> I really wanted to invite you onto my podcast because I don't see a lot of you in real life, but I obviously stalk you online. (laughs) And I work for Lush and there were a couple of things that I noticed. And one was you and I were chatting a bit about, we both were involved with living wage campaigns. And then there's other interesting stuff that you do that we'll get onto next. (laughs) But can you tell me a bit about how being a campaigner has been important to you in your life and what you're up to? Yeah, it's funny. I've always been really passionate about change. And about yeah. thinking about ways we can can make change. And it actually really started when I was at university. That was sort of when I had like a bit of a political awakening, yeah. very uh, stereotypical. And things that were happening at that time, there was like the war in Iraq and there mm. were top up fees being introduced. And like coming from my sort of like suburban South London yeah. upbringing, I had like a sort of sense of right and wrong, but hadn't ever really been exposed to people in like real life political situations and issues. And then at university, I got really involved in the stop the war and I got really involved in anti-top up fees. Yeah. And that just connected me in 
in and I saw people acting in society in a different way that I had never seen before growing up. I saw people organizing together, like having meetings and then having like creative ideas about, you know, what type of protest are we going to do? Yeah. And so it not it spoke to my sense of justice, but it was also really fun. It was like yeah. a really fun thing to be part of a group of people coming up with ideas and making changes. And after that, I had sort of maybe wanted to go more into creative writing or journalism. And it was actually those experiences of being in communities, making change at university that made me think, actually, no, I really want to be more in politics and campaigning. Mm. And then I worked for an MP for a bit straight after uni, which was really amazing working in Parliament, uh, really amazing, energetic place. Lots of people from all over the country trying to make change, but also quite a crazy environment and was a little bit disillusioned by being in parliament kind of seeing people do deals for votes and that kind of thing yeah and I was thinking about with all this Westminster stuff coming up yeah I mean I was there during the expenses scandal people were saying you know someone's gonna there's so much stress here it's gonna someone's gonna break and someone's gonna commit suicide and that's actually what's recently happened obviously with someone during this situation and both expenses and the sexual abuse scandals are it's just indicative of the way culture uh, can build a norm that yeah. is actually really distasteful and really awful. And individuals within the system are like whistleblowing, but no one actually listens until there's some sort of watershed moment. Yeah. And then like the floods break and people are being wrapped up in it and caught up with it. And maybe sometimes innocent people are being accused. Yeah. And it's actually just like a, it's like a collective failure of everyone to have Absolutely. allowed that culture to arise. And the more that we have these, it's like a, the breaking through, hopefully, that is going to lead to other things that we know people are, that are probably just turning a blind eye to, or it's, it's too low down the agenda. They don't see it as important. Mm. And it's really exciting that this is going to make a change and it's going to really liberate people in the workplace, yeah. hopefully. I hope so. I mean, <clears throat> I remember after the expenses scandal, I mean, it was a shitty thing to find out, but everyone was like, finally, they're going to have to be answerable. This won't go be allowed anymore. It's going to be looked at. You look at it now and like, it's not that different. You know, which is kind of disheartening. So I really hope, you know, I I think this is kind of like a global thing because there's loads of stuff going on around this kind of... When the Hollywood's involved, it's like, you know, it's harder to ignore. (laughs) So I hope that there is a change. But did you find it a bit dispiriting being at Parliament because you were all about change? Did you manage to make changes while you were there? Um, So I think there are some things that I was involved with that I was... Uh, really proud around making change particularly like the all-party parliamentary group on cancer mm-hmm. so like these um for example like ending the postcode lottery on things like the cancer drug Herceptin I worked yeah. on that and getting cancer drugs available all over the UK and doing like innovative deals with pharmaceutical companies so that yeah. they would pay for like the first 12 weeks of treatment um, and then if it worked the NHS would keep paying and if it didn't work the pharmaceutical company would swallow that cost yeah but a lot of the things that we did it kind of are really important but then it also kind of feels like it's tinkering around the edges of like this system that we live in where there is like a lot of unfairness and Mm. a lot of inequality and the type of change that one person can kind of make in their life in their lifetime through campaigns is you know 
a drop in the ocean. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to know, like, if we, you know, society is better than ever. People are more better off than ever, but there is still a lot of injustice. And it's kind yeah. of hard to know in the face of all of that as an individual, like, what can what, what can, can we do? do? Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> so is that what kind of inspired you to, to leave Parliament and do... Mm. do your next kind of campaigning yeah I mean I actually ended up yeah leaving around the expensive time that was like a that was like a difficult time to be in parliament the next big campaign that I was involved in was the living wage foundation which was um I spent five years at the living wage foundation and really during that time went from sort of being um a campaign that was a bit more of a grassroots campaign Mm. to really reaching into a lot more businesses and actually like getting them to do it like showing them how like the practicalities of becoming a living wage employer and it was very much modeled on the fair trade idea so it was turning the living wage into a responsible employer mark and going and just meeting loads of employers loads of business people meeting people in government just really rallying excitement for this like idea of the living wage which is a really exciting idea it's like a really like fundamental piece of like economic justice that people should earn enough to live on (laughs) and and the simplicity of it telling companies if your staff can eat and afford to put food on their table and they don't have to have three other jobs you're going to have a better employee. They're going to be at work more. They're going to be sick less. You got that message out. Like London Living Wage is now official. It looks, you know, mm. it has it has weight, right? People are listening to the messages now. Yeah, it's really been an honour to be part of that campaign and to be a driving force behind it. We Like while I was there, I think we had about 3,000 employers sign up to the cool. official badge. Um, but also the amount of awareness raising that we did and like the media coverage that we secured and getting like influential business leaders yeah. to speak out about it as well, like had a much like wider impact culturally, which is obviously shown by the fact that then George Osborne and the Conservative government introduced their own version of yes. the living wage. Yeah. Um, which wasn't exactly the calculation <laughs> that we wanted. <laughs> you know, like, like you rarely would you get a perfect victory, but it was uh, it was an incredible victory and it is an incredible yeah. victory and it meant millions of people got a pay rise due to the campaign that we'd been running. That's, that sounds um, to you, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and your mates. Yeah, me and my crew. And it was, when it happened, I thought it was a joke. I couldn't believe it. I was actually on holiday yeah. and my brother came running out and was like, they've done a living wage in Parliament. <laughs> and I was like, shut up. <laughs> I went in and watched it on Sky News and I was totally speechless and then like checked my phone and there was like a phone call from George Osborne's special advisor being like, oh, oh. hi, just uh, got some news coming up today. Just uh, give me a call back when you get this. Oh, how wonderful. <laughs> so they did try to tell us. But yeah, they kind of stole our thunder, but it's not about that. It's about the people who got the pay rise and it, yeah. it's not quite the rate as high as we would have liked it but it still made a massive difference and it's put a living wage into law which is something that hasn't happened in any other european country and it means that future governments can build on that absolutely but more importantly than that it's put it into people's minds and conscience right so now Mm. when we talk about wages or money we know that there should be a living wage where in the past you know people have accepted everything you know I loved it when people started kicking up a fuss about zero hour contracts because that's like you were saying, that was the norm. So mm. yeah, good job, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Your life is kind of a little bit different now. 
because you're still an activist, but you also are in this really exciting art movement called Sanga Sanga. Yes. So describe the next part of your journey. Yeah. So <clears throat> the living wage was a huge uh, piece of my life. But when it came to after the George Osborne announcement, I'd been there for five years and I thought, actually, I really want to move on. <sighs> and I'd already been working part time in theatre and doing performance art yeah. for five or six years. And I used to be part of a collective called Stamp Collective. And we created these real life imaginary playgrounds where the wow. audience um, came in and they didn't you wouldn't sit down like you would in a normal theatre. Yeah. You came into a room and you were given a role. So if it was a company, it was like, congratulations, it's your first day (laughs) and then they had to sort of uncover everything about this corporation and then they sort of found out it was evil and we got the audience to kind of stage a revolution and overthrow the world within the play and that had been like an amazing thing that I'd sort of been doing part-time in outside of Living Wage Foundation whilst also overthrowing uh, (laughs) the political world in my day job synchronicity (laughs) yeah I love it And that really led me into this much more artistic place. And so I'd been going into this artistic and performance world, but I'd also actually got quite burnt out during Living Wage Foundation. As much as I loved the work and it was amazing, I had given my all to it because I was so passionate about it. And that taught me a lot of lessons about my capacity and about overwork and about health and well-being and like the fundamental things of like what's important. Mm -hmm. You know, why are we fighting for a living wage? It's so people can have more time with their families, can have a better quality of life and like that's also what I really needed to give to myself at that point so I ended up from the remnants of my old theatre group forming this new project called Sanga Sanga which is about creative well-being really and we still do interactive performance at festivals walk about performance where we're dressed as goddesses and we surround one person and we really worship them and we (laughs) feed them and we sing to them And we stroke them and we just give them a moment of like unconditional love and allow them to just receive that. Okay, Um, I need to be there to find a place. I mean, I was saying earlier, I've always known you as a very loving, nurturing soul. And I'm Mm. so pleased because this, to me, just sounds like an extension of you looking after everybody. (laughs) And I love the the concept of showing people (laughs) unconditional love. Mm. so as and sanga sanga is now a thing right because i saw you on the front page was it the times <laughs> yes it of was the times, yeah. up the chart dressed like a goddess <laughs> and i was like oh sanga sanga on the front page yeah you know i know yeah. that was really exciting yeah i was like making because uh, i've made front pages a lot during the living wage <laughs> times and it was great to make the front page again with sanga sanga yeah. and that was actually at summer solstice we'd been at a morning gloryville party in the shard doing our performance work and had obviously just captured the imagination of the photographer from what we were doing and had these really great images and that's also kind of part of what we're doing with Sanga Sanga is about a real deep connection to each other and to the natural world and Mm -hmm. part of that is following the cycle of the pagan wheel of the year so that's celebrating the summer solstice the winter solstice um, Beltane we've just recently had Samhain which is often at the same time as Halloween and each of these different festivals um, throughout the year is about us really connecting in with what is the daylight doing what is the planet doing Mm -hmm. what is the energy of this time of year you know autumn is a time to be like hibernating and resting and planting your seeds and Mm. we shouldn't be pushing ourselves we should just really be listening to what our bodies and the earth is telling us 
Yeah. And that's like the work that we're doing with Sanga Sanga, as well as doing this performance. It's about living in cycles with nature. We were doing new moon ceremonies last year, every mm. month, because basically, you know, in January, so many of us are like, okay, I'm going to have a New Year's resolution. I'm going to think about what I want this year to look like. And yeah. we have all these good intentions, but then they can just fall away. <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> what the we sort of use the moon as like a really like as a representation of saying, okay, like each month actually like what do you in the dark moon phase want to sit and plan and think about what you want to do and really think like okay well what's not serving me in my life can Mm. I let go of that and what do I want my life to look like and really be living intentionally and like and just not getting swept along with a river which so many of us can do oh yeah as you're saying it I'm thinking Mm. how hard it is to kind of step out of work go to shops clean your house like talk to your friends and just recognize it shouldn't just be about everything on top. So I love you describing remembering the cycles of the moon and bearing nature in mind, especially when the full moon seems to fuck with so many people. <laughs> it really does. And luckily I work at a company where we try not to hold big meetings on a full moon. Oh, we know everyone's going to go nuts. And, um, <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Nature as well is so soothing and brings you back to yourself. And it's really easy to forget yourself. So I love that you're doing that. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And the, we also have been like learning about holding space and um, holding uh, women's circles mm. as well, where people can just like come and talk and be seen and just kind of like be honest and yeah. about what's going on in our lives without having to sort of put on this show that like everything's fine and yeah. you know you've, we, we've got it, we've got it all. We can say actually stuff is hard, yes. um, but also we can celebrate our successes. You know, there's can be so much competition and bitchiness um, mm. in female culture you know the gossip and what we see in like heat magazine and that kind of stuff tearing each other down exactly and so these circles are about like listening to each other but also building each other up and being able to celebrate each other's success from a place of like authenticity Oh my god! So everybody needs to hook up and find out where Sanga Sanga are going to be, and then they can be worshipped. They can connect with nature. (laughs) They can feel themselves. They can meet other sisters. Mm. And did did I see you like? Were you guys travelling as a troop? Like, because obviously it's girls on tour podcast. So Mm. you were taking your message not just into the UK. What was all that about? Yeah. So Sanga Sanga has a core of um, myself and uh, my uh, friend Gaia. Yeah. But we actually went earlier this year. We went to. Uh, Central America for three months and part of that was journeying to uh, grow and develop what we are as Sanga Sanga and um, we were with another friend of ours H as well who works with us and so we had this sort of um, really lovely core group of women uh, and a lot of our journey was we were like learning songs from people everywhere we went like we take the guitar and like singing and this idea of medicine songs is something that we've discovered in the last sort of 18 months the idea of music as medicine and we bring that into our work as well and we were actually did a three-week sound healing course while we were in Guatemala, oh, where wow. we were looking at tuning forks, singing bowls, medicine yeah. songs, really using these vibrations mm. to create like beautiful healing bubbles for people to, yeah, relax yeah. or like go on visionary journeys mm. through meditation. And there's just so many creative ways that we can heal each other and cr- and like what one human being can do for another if they mm. come with this intention to create a space of. Care 
care and healing you know even it's small things like it could be giving someone a foot massage or it could be creating a sound journey Mm. like these are the things that humans should be doing all the time (laughs) instead of like you know worrying about like making money like making money and capitalism should be basically just providing the infrastructure for us to just have lovely times yeah and do nice things for each other why is it why is it so wrong but um, i love that i mean i did i had no idea you were looking at that musical aspect i mean i in my kind of recent you know ways to kind of enrich my own life i've been going to gong baths mm. and i mean I, I remember i put on facebook i'm going to a gong bath and it really made some people quite angry they were like what the fuck is this hippie shit all my friends are starting to do this what's wrong with them and i was like you know what sometimes you just need to open your mind because if you're willing to receive some good vibes from the universe because someone's bashing a gong at you just go and fucking do it yeah so i love that and um because i knew that people like you were involved with morning gloryville i'm going to my first one in december great and there's another <laughs> gong bath you know i think there's like five different performers over two hours that i'm going to because i just think when you open your mind to things that may happen and be good for you it kind of gives you a, I don't want to call it an evolutionary experience, but it just pushes your brain a little bit out there, doesn't it? Mm, yeah, it so. does. And it's also self-care. It's mm. like really giving yourself like the time to just relax, switch off from work and just to focus on like healing and being in your body. Yeah. And that is, that is actually a radical act when we That's have this crazy, culture of busy in society, mm. like, and I, which I have like really, you know, been part of and seen and witnessed in the corporate and the campaign world. Yeah. And, part of what I want to do is like to kind of like bridge those two worlds a little bit and to be like you know yes like we it's really important that we're working hard and we're making money and we're changing things but not at the expense of our health and our well-being and also we need to do it and we need to have fun and we need to play and we need to be silly oh my god such a good concept (laughs) well I I do feel quite lucky I mean I don't want to bang on about Lush but a big part of what I do is I bring music to Lush and everyone is like, why are you doing that? But a lot of it is about healing and giving back to the musicians that nurture our souls. And we have our own sound bath at Lush. And um, and I love the fact that people are like, why are you doing this bloody hippies? And then we get to explain <laughs> a bit about self-care and you should be taking time for massage. You should be taking time to nurture yourself and stop and slow down. And one of our treatments, the tagline is speed up to slow down. And then you are massaged by two people. and Oh, wow. Yeah. Great. So I think it's so nice to be back in touch with you. And we're kind of aligned. So I love that. <laughs> when you were traveling as Sanga Sanga in Central America, how were you received? Was it like a scary thing to do? Because obviously girls, Central America, mm. you hear kind of all kinds of stories. But you've always been fearless, Sarah. So did yeah. you just pack things in the bag and just head out? Yeah. Do you know what? Actually, the, when we were traveling in South America, I mean, sorry, Central America, we were really well received. And yeah. um, it was funny because we were like sitting on the beach and singing and mm. we didn't realize, but people noticed us because then when we traveled to another place, this guy invited us to stay at his house. And he yeah. was like, oh, but I know you. I've seen you guys on the beach singing. <laughs> and we had no idea who he was. But obviously oh. we had had this impact on other people yeah. around us he was like oh it was hard to miss you all <laughs> um, and it's actually funny like this is one of the things about being an artist or a performer
performer or like giving music to the world yeah. it impacts so many people who might walk past you or hear it a little bit that you're bringing that creativity and yeah. that and that like the slight playfulness to an area and creativity to an mm. area and it makes everyone's day you know a little bit more fun because yeah. there's some live music happening but it's so lovely um, to break someone out of reality especially on a commute <clears throat> for example when you hear a busker and they're playing one of your favorite songs yeah and it's just like oh i can breathe you know even though i'm surrounded by people and rush hour and stress yeah like, yeah such a good message and yeah but it wasn't scary traveling it was really lovely and we met lots of other musicians on the way mm. and we learned so much from the people that we that we met like local yeah. people and also other travelers who kind of come there to to be on that medicine song vibe love it <laughs> so when you came back to reality then you were just like this is what we're going to do we're going to do this in london and where where can people find you where should they should they seek you out mm, so at the moment Aya, who i work with does the women's circle every two weeks so that's available and we're also launching a goddess therapy which wow. is where <laughs> one person can have an experience of receiving goddess therapy from two of us so that involves sound with the gong and the singing bowl mm. and also receiving healing touch and sense as well so it's sort of like a multi-sensory experience um and next year we're going to also be doing more sound baths we do ritual and sensuality so Mm. a lot of our work is based on these ideas of connection and we've done at different places like togetherness festival and others sessions for couples and it's kind of just saying like you know so often when you're in a relationship it's actually really magical to kind of create these mini rituals where Mm. actually you really focus in intentionally on the other person and you listen to them and you talk to them and we have like a series of exercises that we teach people to go through and we're going to be doing three-day workshops um sorry three single-day workshops uh, early next year that people can come and yeah we're on sangasanga.com and it will be on there and on facebook i'll put loads of links up so we don't because they just sound really wonderful and anyone curious should definitely check it out so having been through this journey what do you care most about Mm, That's a good question. So I think that what I still care most about is change is maybe like slightly sort of contrived way of saying it, but actually kind of like creating a space where people are happy and well and living life to the, in the best way that they can. And like be that through like my sort of day job in campaigns, um, trying to like make like issues better so that people have better lives but also through my creative and spiritual work which is looking at the tools that we can have Mm. that we can use like song dance connection that actually just bring us into these beautiful states of joy you know it's really creating more joy and the and like looking at different ways to just create more joy and for people to be more happy and connected I love that I mean that's that's a great life mission to create more joy because you're still working in campaigning you mentioned digital rights to me earlier yes I am yes so I'm working on Sanga Sanga half the time but I'm also still I'm working on digital rights um with a uh, a friend of mine uh, has an agency doing mm. campaigns and PR for good causes and I'm working with them at the moment 89 up 
And we're working with Open Rights Group, who they're like a grassroots digital rights campaign. Yeah. And uh, there's it's such a fascinating area. Like it's like digital rights is like the new frontier for human rights because yeah. there's so much stuff happening online where governments and corporations are kind of taking yeah. our data, listening to us. Kids are giving their information away and just don't know about it. It's this yeah. whole realm mm. that we're still really getting to grips with. Like so much of our lives are online, but how much of that is protected? Absolutely. And so that's why... I'm working on at the moment things like you know encryption and AI like how is all of this going to be how are we going to yeah how are we going to keep our data safe but how are Mm. we going to make sure that there's democracy and all of this new technology that's coming in and it links around back to living wage in fact because if all of these jobs become automated you know how the people who are doing living wage jobs in supermarkets is that going to be replaced with a computer and how does that computer make decisions and who has oversight of how that computer to makes decisions god so yeah yeah it's just pretty heady <laughs> technological stuff mm. i love that you're doing that and then your yin and your yang <clears throat> is the other side is the nature and being goddesses so i yeah you're just an anomaly i love you so much <laughs> um you mentioned that you got your friend gaia that you do lots of work with mm. and i love that you are bringing women together so do you have you got any inspirational women that have guided you or inspired you yeah, that's such a good question. And a lot of my inspiration actually comes from like female writers who I've really yeah. enjoyed their work. People like Angela Carter mm-hmm. and Iris Murdoch, who I think were sort of like writing books in the 60s when their, you know, women were kind of less heard and their voices were really powerful and actually writing a lot of very uh, magical realism and books yeah. that were quite silly, but were really about people taking like back their power mm-hmm. as well. So those yeah. types of people um, really inspire me. And I'm also inspired by a lot of my friends, like mm-hmm. women who I just see like just going out there and doing the stuff that they yeah. want to do so you're one of those people yeah. as well <laughs> I told her to say that yeah <laughs> I wrote it down and gave her a fiver my Thank sister you. really inspires me my sister Angela really inspires yeah. me my mum really inspires me <laughs> she's looked after um, me and my brother and sister so well and and brought us up yeah and what's it like working with your best friend it's really really great working with my best friend like I'm so lucky because what it allows us to do is to really practice what we preach and so to conduct our um, working activities with having you know like check-ins and Mm. connection and really considering our well-being as part of the work that we're doing yeah and deciding do we want to do this does it feel right and is it gonna break us you know exactly and actually let's not do a lot of stuff in winter let's wait until spring Mm. and that's fine because that's going to ultimately serve what we do and also it's just so much fun because we've got our background together in theater and we just laugh together and we're really silly and I yeah, feel really blessed to work with Gaia like Yay. we have a really great connection I love it that you found your creative buddy it's so good <laughs> and it's so special because it's difficult isn't it to find people you get those connections yeah. with yeah I feel like sadly I'm so sad that this is going to have to come to an end <laughs> I'm definitely going to come back and what I'd love to do is maybe come visit you in an event and follow you guys around mm, or something yeah that would be wonderful but, um, <laughs> you're so welcome yeah so after all this, you know, your life is so full and beautiful and rich. Where do you see yourself in the future? And this is a horrible interview question, but like mm. five years, 10 years, <laughs> as you know, an old lady with a rocking chair, where would you like to be? What would you like to be doing in your life? Um, so I would 
I'm really interested on how I can bring these two strands of my life more together, mm. kind of like the campaign work and the political work and the well-being work. I would love to see well-being and self-care as being mm. like an important like um piece of the political agenda yeah. in the future. And and so yeah, bringing those together is really important. I think I would really love to be living in a big house in the country with a lot of my friends <laughs> yeah. and um to maybe be, you know, holding retreat spaces or holding like thought spaces and conferences for lots of different people from different sectors to come and have ideas and just also connecting all of that with nature that would be like you know that's the sort of the dream of the future well please make that happen (laughs) I would love that thank you so much for your time thank you thank you so much for inviting me it's been so wonderful catching up with you okay (laughs) bye everyone You're listening to Mira Manga and the Girls on Tour podcast. Wow. Thank you, Sarah. I feel hopeful and inspired knowing that you're in the world fighting for all the good stuff for us humans. We're lucky to have you. Another amazing woman will be on the Girls on Tour podcast next week when we meet Ada Zanderton, another creative and talented old friend. She's an award-winning designer who's been spreading her wings and evolving and traveling with her gorgeous couture. Until then... May you always be joyous within and happy trails, y'all. See you next time and subscribe. Girls on tour. Girls on tour. Na, na, na.